Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Let's Talk Chapel podcast. I'm Jackie, and joining me is Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, Jackie. So um, we are recording this right before Christmas, even though it will come out, I think, January or maybe early February. Um, So do you have any plans for Christmas? I don't think so. (laughs) Oh, no. I I should have checked before I asked that question. (laughs) Um. The COVID Christmas of no plans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, it's pretty quiet. I'm sure um, we'll see family, local family, mm-hmm. um, but pretty low key, uh, not cooking or anything. Mm-hmm. Yay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am taking um, kind of the dubious airplane ride from Vancouver, which is quite a nice place to be in wintertime, hardly ever snows, to the land of the minus 40 <laughs> temperatures oh. of Alberta, <laughs> and um, going to Edmonton and then Calgary to visit visit my parents and my sister and all my other relatives, COVID style, I guess, so probably not all the relatives, but a few, a few of the relatives, so fingers crossed for not like death cold temperatures, but um Global warming maybe will help me here. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. So, so do I'll you still you. have clothes to wear there? Uh, barely. Or do you have to I borrow think... stuff from your sister? No, I have like, in, well, she lives in Toronto. So she oh. <laughs> um, is flying too. So she can't like bring a ton of stuff either. So um, I have like these um, like winter hiking boots that I use for snowshoeing. So I wear those. <laughs> and then I have like, one super warm down parka that I like brought I bought in Korea one time when I was so cold so I I still have that and then I just wear like all my hiking kind of outdoorsy snowshoeing yeah long johns and like all of that so I mean I barely I'm it's my mom has some stuff that I wear sometimes (laughs) I don't go outside that much I try to avoid it (laughs) so yeah, if it were minus 40, I think I would do a good job of avoiding going outside. Yeah, sometimes I just like stay inside for like two straight days or three straight days. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I just do like yoga in the basement or like whatever, you know, it's okay. <laughs> Hope for the best. All right. So today we're going to talk about how to teach English vocabulary. Um, so we'll start off just with a few um quick thoughts, and then we'll get into some um, ESL vocabulary activities. So vocabulary is super important. (laughs) So important for our students. Um, Maybe you've even been there yourself, like when you're learning a language, and you can make a simple sentence, but you're trying to tell somebody something and you just don't have the word accessible at that time. Um, have you had that experience, Jen? I'm sure you have. Oh, it's the worst, especially if it's something like when you're angry. For example, you're in a taxi and the driver is clearly going a roundabout way, or you know they put on like the extra fee that they would have, like for late night or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that it's not the right hours for that like it's sort of the the cusp of those hours but not quite mm-hmm. or whatever you know and then you know so you really want to get your point across but you just 
might not have the vocabulary to be like, you know, that's, you know, off peak hours and this is not off peak time. And, you know, exactly. It's very frustrating. Yes. Yeah. So I've encountered that too, for sure. I just can't get what I want. But so, but the, but it's comes from lack of vocabulary basically. Yes. And when I teach in, when I taught in Korean universities, um, all the students kind of had the same educational background in terms of learning English. Like some of them went to like private academies or whatever. So they were clearly better or they had lived in Canada for a year when they were a kid or their mom is from the U S or something like that. So they were like clearly better than their classmates, but in just in terms of the average person in the class who just studied English in elementary school, middle school, high school, and then came to my class from there. um, The students who were like clearly lower level than their peers. Um, There were a few different reasons for it, but one of the main ones that I saw was just they didn't know as much vocabulary as the other students, because the students who knew a good range of vocabulary, even if their sentences weren't perfect, they could string together random kind of vocabulary (laughs) words and make themselves understood. They could get their point across and they could understand reading passages and listening passages because they could pick out the keywords. Um, from that but students who just didn't know a lot of vocabulary they really struggled and um, they had a long way to go to catch up because vocabulary learning is not something that happens overnight it's like a year year over year over year kind of process yes yes oh and nothing would upset me more when students would be like oh my new year's resolution is I'm going to learn 15 new words every day. Like, don't, please don't yeah. even try. Please yeah. don't try. Try to learn I, a few words a week, please. Yeah. Like I would say, I used to tell my students like three to five words a day is kind of a good, good rule of thumb. So it would be like, you know, 20 words a week or something, which is quite like that requires a lot of work. Like that was quite optimistic actually. But to me, that would kind of be the maximum Um, Yeah, that would be just for the average student who wasn't studying English for like 40 hours a week um, for them for them to learn. All right. So um, another kind of key thing is that repetition is key. Just because a student hears a word in your class one time, nobody's going to remember that word unless it's like the one or two very, very top students in your class. They might have a chance at grasping that or recalling that later. Um, The rest of the students won't. So definitely review all the words in your class. Um, Encourage students to study them at home, um, that kind of thing. So um, any thoughts about that, Jennifer? Definitely. I mean, you wouldn't expect a native speaker to remember a word that they only heard once. You know, so you shouldn't expect your language learners to acquire vocabulary faster. Um, But yeah, repetition is key and you can teach them uh, different strategies like spaced repetitions where, you know, like if they make themselves flashcards, either physical flashcards or digital ones, and they just, you know, whenever they've got a few minutes, just look at a couple of flashcards and, you know, test themselves and take out the ones that that they're getting 100% of the time and focus on ones that they're not getting 100% of the time. But yeah, um, so that's outside of class. But during class, you want to, you know, reuse the same language again and again and again and recycle the vocabulary, Mm -hmm. you know, have 
as many sort of review lessons, even if they're not specifically called review lessons, just sticking in previously learned vocabulary to bring it back up to the front of their mind. Oh, I love that. I love to like slip in vocabulary from previous lessons and students like, like it too. They think it's like, they're like, oh, we studied that two weeks ago. <laughs> like they actually <laughs> notice and they kind of like it, I think. And sometimes I'll do it very slyly and then only a few students will notice. And <laughs> they kind of like love it. It's just kind of this like funny, um, funny thing for some of the top students. If, if you do it in kind of like a funny, sneaky way, um, they'll like it for sure. Um, and that kind of brings us to the next point. So learning vocabulary for our learners is a combination of in-class and then at home. Um, I would say that if you, if students are relying on only their in-class experience to learn new vocabulary, it's probably going to fail unless they're in your class. Like if you do an extensive English thing for like say 30 or 40 hours a week, then yeah, it's possible to like retain things you learn in class because there can be so much review of those but if it's you know the typical like say two to five hours a week of English lessons um, it will require at home um, study on the part of the students to yeah. retain those new words. And that's that's when you can see students who will tell you oh I've been studying English for 12 years but they're still in a lower intermediate class or even a high beginner class. Like that's because they've been going to class for all that time, mm -hmm. but they haven't been doing anything at home. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the result of that. Like, or like the false beginners who yeah. think I've studied for so many years and I should be in a higher level class, but in reality, they're not actually able to, to handle that class. All right. So the next one, extensive listening and extensive reading. So um, I personally think this is key for students to learn new vocabulary. So extensive listening and reading is basically when students listen to a lot or read a lot of things at a level slightly below their actual level. Um, so kind of the idea behind this is they can just listen or read for fun and not have to like pull out their cell phone dictionary every two seconds. Um, you actually ideally want them listening or reading without a dictionary. Um, in most cases, unless it's like once every few minutes or once every half hour, they could pull it out and find a specific word. But um, yeah, because this way they can see how the vocabulary that they know is used in kind of a natural context. And it's also a really amazing way for repetition. <laughs> Think about yes. if they read for 20 minutes or listen for 20 minutes. How many words are they going to hear that they already know. And they're going to say, oh, that word, that word, that word. It's just all these connections inside their brain are just happening. Oh, these two words are used together. And um, oh, I can use that word in this kind of sentence. And oh, that's an adjective, not just like a verb <laughs> or like so many things um, can happen when, when uh, students are doing, yeah, this kind of extensive, extensive listening or reading. Yes. And that also gives them the opportunity to focus on something that's actually interesting to them rather than whatever the textbook is. Uh, and English learners, I think, have a special advantage over the rest of us because there is such a huge variety of graded readers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can find pretty much any sort of mass market paperback you can find a graded reader for. And sometimes you can find like six levels of graded reader 
Mm-hmm. So they have a huge variety to choose from, whatever sort of reading they like to do. And in a lot of cases, they have an optional, like a, a listening file available with it. Exactly, exactly. All right, so the next one is um, tests and quizzes for vocabulary. <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like it's a bit of a necessary evil. Um, I taught at a kindergarten, Hogwan, so it was like kindergarten kids and then elementary school kids as well. And um, yeah, this was in Korea and they had like weekly vocabulary quizzes. And honestly, at first I was like, oh, I don't know about this. But then um, in the end, I was just like, it's a necessary evil because like the students knew that vocabulary. They knew how to spell it. They knew how to say it. And it was like they had learned it so well that it stuck with them the rest of their um, experience um, of me teaching them. And it was just kind of this like basis of like, okay, I know that everybody in the class knows these sets of vocabulary words. And it was just kind of, I didn't have to go back and reteach it or like worry about, oh, do students know this or not know this? So um, I like it actually. And I used to do vocabulary quizzes um, in my university classes sometimes. And I would always include a section on vocabulary on the final exam that we'd covered in class. And it was just kind of a way for students to actually learn, learn that vocabulary if there was a test, especially a test that had like grades or, you know, like final grades attached to it at a university. Um, As for how much they actually remember after that test, I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah, that's when that at least. Sorry, that's just when the recycling the vocabulary comes in. Mm-hmm. you know just keep using it in class mm-hmm. for sure all right Jen any other thoughts on um, teaching vocabulary before we get into the uh, games and activities uh, not really no just just try and make it fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's possible I mean actually I taught at this winter camp in Korea and um I was assigned vocabulary. (laughs) Other students or other teachers got like speaking, writing, and I got vocabulary. And I was just like, oh, like how, what, what, I, I just was at a bit of a loss. So I started doing some research and like looking at what other teachers were doing. And I was like, okay, like it can actually be kind of fun. And I came up with a bunch of games and kind of activities and honestly, it wasn't as like bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> it was actually kind of manageable. And by the end, I was just like, oh, I would teach vocabulary again. It was like totally fine. So um, there is there is ways to make it more interesting for yourself and then also for the students. All right, so let's get into the um, vocabulary activities. So the first one is concentration. Um, so this one is really good for beginners. Um, kids, it's best for kids, but I've also used it with like teenagers and even adults and they've all enjoyed it, um, as well. So basically make up sets of matching cards. So, um, it depends on like the level of students, what you'll put on those two cards. So for beginners, I would put like a picture of a cat and then the word C-A-T. So the picture and the word for more advanced students, I would maybe give a hint about a word and then the word. Or I would give like a word and then a definition 
or I, you could do like something like opposites. Um, there's a whole bunch of variations, um, but basically make up a set of cards. I do about probably eight matching things. So a total of 16 cards and then make up one of those for a group of four students. They mix up the cards, place them face down on the desk in kind of an orderly fashion. And then the first student will take two cards and they flip them over on the desk so that everybody can see the cards. It's not a secret just for them. It's like a memory game. So if it matches, they take them. If it doesn't match, they flip them back over in the same spot. They don't mix them up in between. The next student goes and you just kind of continue on until all the matching um, cards are gone. So yeah, it's a simple way just to review some vocabulary. Yeah. And um, kids usually like it. So there's that as well. Yes, they love it. Actually, <laughs> I, I used to use this a lot when I taught kids. And honestly, they never got tired of it for whatever reason. They <laughs> could just play endlessly this game. Like every class, probably, they wouldn't have been unhappy <laughs> to play. So, yeah. all right, Jennifer, what's your activity? Uh, a fly swatter game, which I'm, I'm sure we've talked about before. Mm. But there's so many ways that you can do fly swatter games. And uh, one of them is to either write vocabulary words on the board or post up uh, flashcards, either pictures or the words themselves. And um, students are given fly swatters and you say a target word and the students try to slap it first. Mm -hmm. so, exactly. Another yeah. one that students like. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's actually different variations too for kind of higher level students. So instead of just saying the word itself, you can give hints about the word, um, yeah, and then have students slap slap the word. So, um, yeah, and then also for higher level students, you can erase the word um, that has been slapped and then put a new word in there. Yes. So it's kind of yeah. ever changing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can give definitions and they have to find the vocabulary word or, mm -hmm. you know, there's different ways to make it more difficult. Yeah, definitely. All right. Next one is word association. So there's certain topics in ESL textbooks that are covered kind of endlessly, like weather, sports, hobbies, TV shows and movies, um, food, that kind of thing, travel. Um, so unless students are absolute beginners, they probably already know a good bit of like, say, weather vocabulary. Um, so if you're teaching um, a unit about the weather to like high beginners, intermediates, there will be like new vocabulary words for them to learn. Maybe they don't know tornado or like torrential rain <laughs> or like something like that. But they do know a ton of other kind of simpler words related to that. So this is just a quick um, warm up I do to kind of set the context um, to lead into that lesson. So I'll just put like weather on the board and then draw a circle around it and then just kind of have students help me make like a mind map about it. So um, it can be something like I'll do like summer, like maybe they'll do like summer weather, like hot, sunny, warm, nice. And then they'll do like winter, like snowy, cold, freezing, that kind of thing. And maybe like extreme weather, there'll be like hurricane, tornado, etc. So we just make a bit of a mind map. And um, why I do that is that it helps students activate their prior knowledge, um, which makes um, any new words they learn far more memorable because they can associate it with the old things that they already know and kind of store it in the same area of their brain and kind of hook it on to these old, old things that they know quite well already. Yeah. All right. Well, my next one is uh, taboo. 
which is uh, a game that you can buy or a game that you can make. So it's your own vocabulary. And uh, this is for higher level students because uh, the way it works, if you've never played Taboo, you have uh, a keyword, so the vocabulary word, and the person who has the card has to get other people to guess that word, but they have other words that they are not allowed to say. So words that would be very closely associated with that word. So for example, if the word was baseball, like taboo words would be like uh, base, bat, diamond. (laughs) So um, if you make your own cards, you can tailor it to the level of the students. Um, Obviously, giving them a lot more latitude, the less vocabulary, excuse me, you expect them to have. But that's a that's a good way to keep higher level students interested and motivated in a vocabulary class because the high level students sometimes feel like a vocabulary class is a little bit beneath them, mm-hmm. you know, like they no longer need that. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah, it's it can be frustrating. So yeah, it's good to play a game like this that's a little bit more difficult, and they can really excel and kind of use all of their vocabulary knowledge um, to describe that secret word instead of just, you know, using very prescribed sets of things that you're teaching them in class. Yeah. And the students, the the high level students will get really competitive with it. You know, like they'll try to, I don't know, not exactly trip each other up, but but kind of like show off what they know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. All right, Jen, you have one more activity for us. One more thing is name three things, which is similar to word association, um, but just sort of a category list. So um, if you just give students a topic for the day and have them name three things. So if you're doing colors, you might, you know, either if it's lower level students, name three colors or give them you know, the rainbow colors and have them name three things that are each color. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sports is maybe like an easier one. You could say like name three sports that use a ball. Name three yes. sports you play on ice or like something like that. You could do like kind of a series or like a set, like a five different name three whatever, or yeah, name three sports where you can get, where you have to wear protective equipment or something. So it's also possible to do it for like quite higher level um, students as well. Yes. And uh, a good activity for, uh, I think, pair share. So word association, I think works really well to have something on the whiteboard where sort of everyone's interacting with one thing, but with name three things, you can either do it on the whiteboard or you could have students think of their own three things and then discuss with a partner, discuss with a table like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely comparing with a partner um, or yeah, a small group of students is is a nice nice way to round out this activity, I guess. And then the teacher can just elicit kind of a few sample answers, like maybe each table shares one of their ideas. Um, Yeah, something like that. All right. So do you have any final thoughts about teaching ESL vocabulary, Jennifer? 
I think you summed it up with a uh, necessary evil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> vocabulary is one of my less favorite classes to teach mm-hmm. but uh obviously if if students don't have vocabulary they're they're really at ground zero you have to have vocabulary and you build on it from there but i i don't enjoy teaching it that much Oh, yeah, I know. I, I generally would agree with you, but, um, but it is honestly, I think in learning a language, probably the most important thing. (laughs) So don't neglect it. I mean, it is really important for our students and, but also conversely, like don't skip over it and definitely teach it in class, but then conversely, it's not all you. It's like in reality, you're one class that you teach over a semester Um, the better students, or maybe even the average students, you can actually help them learn um, some new vocabulary words and review them in class and do your best. But in reality, um, it does require at-home work too. So if students aren't willing to do that, then it's, you you can help them a little bit, but there isn't really a lot you can do. So don't stress about it. It's, it's it's a combination of you and then effort at home as well. But I would also say, um, show them what you would like to for them to do at home without yes, you. Exactly. Like exactly. if you just say study this at home, a lot of them will feel like they have fulfilled that obligation if they pull out that week's word list and look at it. Mm. They'll be like, yep, I studied at home. So mm-hmm. you really do need to show them how to study vocabulary on their own in a meaningful way. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So kind of the advice that I give my students, we've already mentioned is flashcards. So um, I would get them to, uh, well, in Korea, for example, the Korean word on the back and then the English one. And I would tell them to study English to Korean and then also Korean to English. So study both and then study them randomly and remove the ones that they know super well and focus on the ones they don't know well. And then the other advice I'd give is we mentioned already is extensive reading and extensive listening. Um, do you have other kind of things that you would tell your students in terms of how to study vocabulary? I would just encourage them to engage with topics that are of personal interest to them. So because I usually taught higher level students, I would suggest that they find uh, podcasts or mm-hmm. um, like online forums or whatever. Although I would be a bit judicious with that. Sometimes I had fairly young learners who were quite high level and I would never suggest to them to go look for an <laughs> online forum. No. To hang out in. All right. So if you want some more um, ideas for teaching vocabulary, there's a couple books on Amazon to check out. Uh, 39 ESL vo- vocabulary activities for teenagers and adults. And then there is a kid's version as well. 39 ESL vocabulary activities for kids. All right. So um, Jennifer, where can people find you online? Uh, on YouTube, Teach, Travel, Learn. And where can people find you? Sure. Uh, so have a look for um, all the podcast details on eslactivity.org slash podcast. And then also have a look around that website and you'll find a ton of different activities and games and lesson plans for all different um, all different skills, including vocabulary. All right. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. Thanks for chatting, Jen. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.